0: and we are rolling once again we are back for another episode of exploring faith and pursuing grace and we are continuing our discussion that we had last episode on pornography with uh, brandon johnson brandon is with us once again brandon thank you for being with us once more
1: glad to be here lee
0: Yes, yes, yes. So in our last episode, we discussed the problem. We talked at length about pornography, how prevalent it is, especially within the church. We talked about why it's a problem. We talked about how it's addictive and how pornography addiction is a very real thing that has very real consequences. And we kind of ended on a dour note. It was kind of a doom and gloom episode. There wasn't a lot of positivity in it. And that's what this episode seeks to rectify. While we dealt with the problem in the previous episode, this episode is all about the solution. So we never want to present a problem without also presenting a solution. So we're just going to dive right into it and get going with it, Kevin.
2: Yeah, well, I I think we we really talked a lot last episode just about how prevalent it is and the reality of it. And hopefully at this point people now know if this, this is something that they're addicted to, or they're at least willing to be honest enough to, to just hear what we have to say on this when it comes to actually overcoming pornography. And as, as I talked about in the last episode, this is something that I struggled with for, for years and years and years and years and years and, you know, some 15 years or so. And I think that for for a lot of people they think that this is such a part of their life they can never overcome it. So I want to start out by saying I was highly addicted to porn. I, I don't know if you have if there are certain levels, but if there was I would definitely have been in the the you know highest <laughs> level of of porn addiction because there were times I mean I would look at porn sometimes you know 4 to 6 times a day. Uh, just consistently every day for a period of time. Um, you know, I, I was looking at porn in preaching school. Uh, I mean, it just, just all the time, all the time. And I can tell you that I never thought I could actually overcome porn. Never believed I could. And for once, I, for one thing, I didn't really think it was a true problem. I just thought it was something that every now and then I dabbled in, and then I realized it was. But then when I realized how big of a problem it was, I'm thinking, wow, there's no way I could go a week without porn or a month without porn uh, much less a year without porn or years without porn. And so as I, as I stated briefly in the last episode, I have been porn free now for, for over seven and a half years. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I just can't overcome it, that, that is not true. Anybody can overcome porn. And Brandon, I know you are highly addicted as well.
1: Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, from my high school days up into my, uh, you know, adulthood for, uh, well over a decade, uh, going on a decade and a half probably. Um, So yeah, certainly. And I'm I'm so glad you uh, started with the idea of hope, Kevin, because honestly, uh, the reason people stay addicted to porn is because, or for that matter, in any addiction, but especially in porn, is they don't feel like they have hope. Uh, We know through um, research and through psychology that guilt and shame keep people in addiction. And hope helps people break out of addiction. So our purpose today is to give people hope and the tools to break out of it and to hopefully free you from some of that guilt and shame that keeps you in addiction. So I want to begin, if if you guys are ready to just jump in, uh, I want to begin by talking about (sighs) when you're addicted to porn, part of uh, the addictive cycle, part of the addictive process is... You you don't live in reality. You you've created your own reality. You've lied to yourself. I remember uh, my counselor telling me one time we were actually talking about uh, another friend of mine who was an addict, not Kevin. And uh, he was just he he was he wasn't with he wasn't with it. He acknowledged he had a problem, but he he wasn't he wasn't doing anything in the process, making lots of excuses. And so I was talking to my counselor about how how can I reach out and help this this guy. And he said to me, Brandon, you need to realize that addicts are liars and most of all, they lie to themselves. And so one of the f- one of the first things that uh, as a as someone who struggles with porn, a porn addict, one of the first things they need is they need a really good reality check. Uh, typically, one of the things that we say uh, in our support group and for those who are, are dealing with, uh, you know, in the process of dealing with their porn addiction is we say that you won't change until it becomes more painful to remain who you are when that pain is greater than the pain to change. And that, that typically happens when we have a really good reality check. It might be, as I told last week in my own story, it might be because you lost your job because you were looking at porn. And all of a sudden, you, you are faced with the reality of your behavior. Uh, it might be when your spouse finds out that you've been looking at porn and you're dealing with the consequences of that betrayal And you are faced with reality. You are given an opportunity to change. Maybe it's this podcast. Maybe you're listening to it, and you don't. This is your moment in reality, and you don't have to have one of those really ugly consequences. Uh, But that glimpse of reality is something that you got to grab onto. And we all need that that reality check because as addicts, we lie to ourselves. We say things like, "Well, this is the last time. I'm never going to look it up again." And then, as Kevin said, oftentimes we're looking it up within the next 24 hours. Uh, or we continue in whatever our addictive cycle is. Or we'll say things like, I'll never do it again. Or I don't really have a problem. Those are all lies, and they're all lies we tell ourselves, and they're all a form of not living in reality. Kevin, do you remember ever doing some of those things or saying some of those things to yourself? And do you remember having a uh, a reality moment? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think that all these all these things that you mentioned saying it's the last time or I'll never do it again or I don't have a problem. I mean, those are all things that I repeated to myself just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again for, for years upon years upon years upon years. And I don't know how many prayers I've prayed that, please, God, forgive me. This is the last time I'm, I'm going to do it because... The majority of Christians, and and I, I don't know, maybe all of them, but the majority of Christians and every single Christian I've spoken to recognizes it's a problem, and they don't want to. They don't want to keep doing it. They they don't. And this is this is why telling people it's wrong is really not a solution. That that's that's <laughs> that's a presupposition. Yes, of course it's wrong. I, you know, it's it's like telling someone who's struggling with weight loss, "Well, just." Don't eat as much and exercise. Well, duh. I mean, everybody knows that's the truth, but it's applying that and figuring out ways to actually get there. And so, yeah, I think I think with me, um, you know, I was dating Bethany at the time when um, I had had a conversation with her about pornography, because we actually went to and Bethany's my wife, just for those listening, Um, we had we were dating at the time and we were at some sort of church lectureship and they were talking about pornography. And I went just to listen to what they have to say, which in and of itself to me was a pretty big step because probably the majority of people in that room were probably not the ones who even needed to be in there. Most people probably staying far away from it. So I I kind of like had an adverse effect in my mind, like, well, I'll go to this to see if there's anybody who needs help. You know, (laughs) it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I'll see because Bethany knew that I had struggled with it in the past, but the way I had presented it to her at that time was this was all in the past. And that's how I always presented it to people. This is all in the past, because technically, in my mind, it was in the past. It may have been in the past four hours ago, but it was in the past. You know, I'm a new Kevin now. And so um, she told me, uh, I forgot exactly, but she just asked me point blank, you know, is this something that you're still looking up? And I'm like, oh, man. And I said, well, you know, uh, ever, you know, and I was just I was just just fumbling around big time and finally I said well yeah I said you know I looked at it at it you know this morning or two days ago or whatever uh, when the time was uh, very rarely do I remember within about a decade going probably less than a, a week or two without looking up pornography okay so that's why I'm saying if people are listening to this they need to understand it doesn't matter how how highly addicted you are you can't overcome it but we were talking and she just told me she said well you know I, I really don't want to get married if this is gonna right now if, until you you can you're willing to work through this a little bit and figure something out and, and overcome this. And so she was very uh, straightforward, but she was also very understanding and accepting. And so, um, honestly, when we had that conversation, um, I know it was, it was July of 2013 and that's, I can, I know very, I don't know the exact day, but I know it was July, 2013. And since that time, I haven't looked it up. And one of the reasons why is that actually finally brought it out to light that that was what woke me up. And it wasn't a, It wasn't an awakening that was, you know, made me feel bad or anything. It was like, wow, I really am struggling with this. This is something that is still part of my life that I need to overcome. And just that wake up call of realizing this isn't something everybody else is struggling with. This is something I personally am currently struggling with. And from that point forward, I never went to counseling, but I personally found some different tools and some accountability. And, and uh, you know, we'll talk about that if you want to. I can go ahead and talk about it. we can talk about that a little bit later. But um, so, some ways that I personally overcame it. But, yeah, that that was a big wake up call to me because it just brought me into reality. Like, huh. You know, yeah, that 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 is the case. And that's why I say ask that question. I asked. I brought this up in the last episode, ask that question to people. If, if it's a good moment, you know, I, like I said, I never want anybody to be coerced into doing something. This has to be someone's choice. Otherwise it'll be temporary. But just to ask that question, when was the last time you looked up pornography, any form of pornography? When was the last time? And that question can be a reality to so many people a re- good reality check.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a, uh, you should be commended for holding on to that, that reality check you got and using that for, uh, for bringing about your sobriety. So good for you. Um, something that we also need to, uh, I think really need to emphasize before we get into like specific steps on things that you specifically can do. It's more of kind of a mindset. And that's the idea that you, you can't play with fire and pornography is fire. You can't get close to it. You can't try to just see how close you can get without getting burned. Porn and other sexual sins are nothing to take lightly. If you don't take them serious, you will get bit, especially if you're someone who struggles with it. This is not something that you can flirt around with. Um, scripture is pretty clear about this. We didn't use as much scripture in our, our last podcast. We'll probably try to fill in a little bit more this time on this episode. But like First Corinthians uh, chapter six and verse eighteen says, "Flee sexual sin." You know, there's a there's a lot of different different uh, descriptions in Scripture about how to deal with different types of sins. But when you see sexual sin, the the, the uh, recipe is always run, get away from it. Stay as far away from it as you can. You might think of, of Joseph when he was in Egypt with and, and trying to be seduced by Potiphar's wife. He ran so quickly from that situation that says he left his garment in her hand. Uh, he literally fled the scene. Now, as a man, fleeing or running from something kind of is, how would you say that, guys? It's a little contrary to our manhood. It maybe insults our manhood a little bit. They want to be the guys who are tough. It runs faith.
0: counter to the, yeah, it runs counter to our nature. Like to run away from something, no, you turn around, you crack your knuckles, roll up your sleeves, and you deal with it. So to turn and run away, it runs counter to our masculine nature.
1: Exactly. And and when we do that, especially on this issue, uh, we usually get ourselves in trouble you know, one of the young guys that I think about from Scripture is, is Timothy, and he was in a, in a situation where he was leading a church. And when Paul writes to him about sexual passions or about youthful passions, he tells him, you flee from that. And, and we don't think of Paul or Timothy as, as weak guys, as guys who are feminine, but there are just some things you don't mess around with. And sexual sin, pornography, is one of those things you have got to know your weakness. For those of you who are struggling with porn, and I can say that I'm one of those. I'm a, I'm a porn addict. I will always be a porn addict. and it, I've overcome it. I'm sober, but I always have that tendency. And I am very aware of that. And I have to stay very in touch with my weakness. We have to recognize that we're prone to that and be on guard. You might think of it this way. Think about someone who's uh, prone to alcoholism. Should they, uh, should they go celebrate Thanksgiving in a local bar Is that where they should hang out on their weekends, or is that something they really need to be aware of and stay away from? We recognize that alcoholics need to stay away from alcohol and the temptation to drink it. Frankly, most men and the large majority of women as well have a really strong sex drive. You cannot flirt around with porn if it's something that you struggle with. Don't play with fire. you got to be aware of your weakness, and for a lot of us, we do things that are so dumb because... We're not being aware. (laughs) We do things like, let's say that you struggle with porn and one of your triggers is, a trigger is one of those things that sets you off, that really makes you start thinking along those lines and and makes you want to look up porn. Um, Let's say that one of your triggers is uh, women in bathing suits. Don't go to a water park, okay? For a lot of people, that's not an issue. That's fine. Uh, But if that's your trigger, don't do that. Uh, for some guys, it, it might be something completely different. It might be a specific movie. Uh, this is going to sound crazy. One of my triggers is a is certain types of discussion on radio. And I have learned to just have to stay away from certain radio stations because they will trigger me. And But because I'm aware of that, because I don't want to play with fire, I have learned that is one of my boundaries. That's one of the things I have to put in place to keep myself safe, keep myself from falling into an addictive cycle. But if you are playing with fire and trying to be the tough guy, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Kevin, do you have uh, any examples or situations where, you know, you have learned not to play with fire?
2: Yeah, you know, for for me personally, um, there are, you know, I, I look back and I see just how ignorant i was on examining my own self <laughs> and and how, there was no self awareness at that at that point in time and i kind of want to back up even before we 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 jump into this because if people are listening right now i can't help but wonder there's the way that i used to feel the hopelessness and just okay but i want i want to change what do i need to do and I don't want this to be something that is not applicable. And so I want to back up and say, let's let's just assume there is somebody right now, male or female, doesn't matter, who is listening to this. And they are invo- involved in porn and they're, they're they're listening. There's a sense of vulnerability. There's a sense of honesty. But at the same time, they've never told anybody, only they know. Uh, maybe they're not married. Maybe if they are married, their spouse doesn't know. Uh, maybe this is something they've been involved in for years. Nobody knows, and they've tried to stop, but they can't. This is something that that they've, they've prayed a million prayers. This is something we have been through. And for you listening at home or in your car, wherever you're at right now, I, I, we want to talk specifically to you at this point. And if you are in that situation, Brandon, what would you say is step one? to overcoming and to to move forward in, a, in, in a, a porn-free life? What would you say is step one if somebody is in that position and they're listening to this? Well,
1: they need to tell somebody. They need to tell somebody about their problem. Um, rather than keeping it in the dark, they need to tell somebody. They need to find that safe person and come out of the dark and into the light.
2: So you'd say transparency then would be the first thing?
1: Yes, sir. Yep, uh, we we get stuck in sexual sin because we can hide it. Um, we get called out when we lie, when it when we're found out. When a lot of our sins are more public, and those that are more public are typically the ones that we don't do. It's the sins that we can hide. Those are the ones that we say stuck in. It's those sins that we can do in our closet, in our room, in our office, behind our cell phone. Those are the ones that we get stuck in, and. Satan's tool to stay stuck is to keep it quiet, keep it dark. And if you can come into the light, that is, expose your sin. Expose it to someone who is safe, who loves you, who cares about you, but who's going to hold you accountable. You've got to learn to be transparent. Transparency is a powerful, powerful thing. Um, a resource that I, I just throw out there for anybody, if you got 15 or 20 minutes, it's a great listen. Um, a lady named Brene that's that's Brené with a b I believe it's spelled B R E N E it's Brené Brown has done an extensive amount of research on transparency she does a TED talk on transparency it's it's not even religiously based um, but it, she will she gives some just amazing insight into how transparency actually empowers us we view transparency as weakness and she brings insight into how transparency actually empowers us and how oftentimes we're afraid that transparency will break down relationships, but that we find that transparency actually is the key to building better relationships. And it's certainly so. so let,
2: let me, let me, inter- go ahead. Let me interrupt you right there because I'm, I'm just, I'm going to play the person right now who's listening to you. Because you you've been there and I've been there and they're hearing what you're saying. And by the way, Lee, make a note so we can uh, post that uh, link to the to the notes once this is up, so people can look at that um, that pod that uh, that TED talk. But but Brandon, people are going to be listening to you, and they're going to say, "Okay, I get it," but this is a, this is a private sin, and I I I don't I don't know I don't, I don't really know if I need to talk to to anybody about it. And even if people are at that point of saying, "Okay, well, I'm willing to talk to somebody about it." Who do I talk to? Who 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 is someone? Because I know, I know you tell me to tell somebody I can trust, but man, I don't know who I can trust with this. I, I don't know what the response is going to be if I tell my wife. I don't know how she's going to act. If I tell my preacher, I don't know what he's going to do. If I tell, if I am the preacher, I certainly don't want to talk to my church leadership because I mean, goodness, they may fire me. Who who am I to talk to, Brandon? And 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 so if people are thinking that. What kind of counsel would you give them to give them courage and advice on what direction to go and maybe who a good first person would be to talk to about this? That's a great question and
1: also a difficult one because um, you don't know everybody's situation. You need somebody that's safe. And the reason uh, what I mean by safe is someone that you, you, can, you can confess to who's not going to judge you harshly and who's not going to share information without, your, uh, without you first giving them permission uh, so you need someone who's safe, but you also need someone who's going to speak truth to you, because as an addict, as or someone who rarely looks up porn, you've been lying to yourself. You have been living in an altered reality. You you need someone who is going to treat you with kindness and love, but someone who is also going to speak truth into your life. Um, I found that in, in you, you were a great person for that, and and some of my other friends a. Uh, a licensed uh, professional like sex addiction counselor is a great place for that. Um, frankly, it's more important than you find someone than it is specifically who it is. Um, and it, it does need to be someone that you have a relationship with, uh, because if you just tell some somebody that you're not going to see for six or eight months, you can easily slip back into that addictive process.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good answer. And people just need to know that this is where it begins. This is and this is such this is a, such a difficult step for people to make and, and quite frankly I think this is the most dip- difficult step and this is the one that most people wish would be the last step because they almost want to build up to the point of telling people but this is this is the first step if it, I am fully convinced and fully agree with you as someone who has been addicted to this if if you are going to to ever ever overcome this there has it has to be brought out. And, you know, in my case, my wife back then, girlfriend specifically asked me, you know, if 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 I was doing it and, you know, that that's what brought it out. And just to hear my hear me actually have to have a conversation with somebody about what I'm currently involved in helped me to begin that process. And 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 whoever's listening to this, you know who you can trust deep down. Um, anything you're hearing right now in your mind, those are excuses and, and those are excuses you've told yourself a thousand times, (laughs) you know, I'm going to give me one more week. I'm going to get one more week to, you know, I've had conversation, I had a conversation with a guy. He said, okay, he goes, nobody knows except for, for you, which was me at that point. And he said, um, He said, but uh, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe telling this to other people, talking to my wife about it, but I I don't think I have to because I'm going to overcome it this week and I'm never going to do it again. Well, the week went by and I called him and I said, well, how did it go this week? He said it went all right. I said, okay, well, that means you didn't do well. (laughs) So tell me how, tell me how it actually went. He goes, well, I, you know, yeah, I I did look up porn. I said, he goes, well, give me one more week, give me one more week, because I was encouraging him to talk to his wife about it. And you're going to get different opinions. I'm a full believer that you need to be discussing this with your spouse. Um, I, I don't believe that this is something that is a matter that you can just kind of take care of and, t- and tuck away. I, th- I think uh, intellectual honesty and just vulnerability through a relationship um, really demands that this is something uh, eventually that needs to, to be dealt with, um, with your spouse. I, I really believe that with, with, especially, you know, with a supportive spouse, this is something that if you're showing honesty and this is something you want to overcome, um, then, then it's, it it really has to go there. It may not start there. You may have to talked to somebody else to kind of get that courage up, like this one man did when I was talking to him. But I, I do think that that's that's the only honest way to go about it because you need someone, as Brandon pointed out, who's gonna hold you accountable. You're, you you need someone who's not just gonna say, "Oh, okay, whatever." I'm glad you told me, <laughs> and that's it. There, there 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 needs to be a realness to this conversation, not a not a condemnation. You know, you don't want to go to somebody just to get beat up. You want to go to somebody who's going to accept you and love you, but someone who's also going to uh, point out the severity and the realness of what is taking place and what is happening. So I, I think I think that's great. So at that point, then what what would you say? So now I've gotten my courage. I've gone to talk to my wife or I've gone to talk to to a church leader. I've gone to talk to my best friend, and you know it was tough, but I had this conversation, and you know okay now now it's it's out in the open okay, I'm done right now i'm i'm good i've I've confessed it that people know I've done it, and now now everything's okay. Is that how it works?
1: Uh, unfortunately, it's not quite that easy <clears throat> i I think you bring out some great points. one thing I want to add to what you said is that I personally have known dozens and dozens of porn addicts. I have never met a single one who overcame porn without confessing it to someone first. I have never met a single one who overcame porn and then told people about their struggle after they had overcome it. Not a single one. Um, as you said, I don't think Yeah, I don't possible. either. Um, the second thing I would say is that now that you've got it out in the open, that's great. And now that you've got somebody to uh, kind of talk to about it, you need to put safety measures in place in your life. Transparency is more than just telling someone that, hey, uh, I have a porn problem. Transparency is also about being transparent about the areas of your life where porn comes in. Uh, Frankly, in in our 21st century culture, porn typically shows up on your laptop or your personal computer, your smartphone and your social media. There are other ways, but those are the main main ways that, that they show up. Um just to tell somebody you got a porn problem and then leave all the avenues in which you access your porn problem completely unchanged is a recipe for disaster, relapse and no change in your life. Um you've got to bring some change, some transparency into those places. Maybe it's giving someone uh you trust, obviously someone who's not going to, you know, steal steal from you, to give them maybe your passwords to your computer or your social media. Um there are a lot of different forms of uh, software and different things which we can talk about in a little bit that you can use, but you need to put some measures in place in your life to be transparent—not just when you feel like confessing, but to be transparent about your behavior and your activity um, when you're online and you're you're about to search porn. If you know that what you're about to search is going to be seen by someone else, that's going to significantly significantly reduce the likelihood that you're going to look it up and you need that transparency in your life because you have proven, we have all proven those of us who have struggled with porn that we cannot do this on our own.
2: Yeah. When you get to that level that, you know, you can't trust yourself. That's, that's why you have to to have other people involved, whether it's, whether it's just one person or, or two or three. And I think the more, it's just my personal opinion. I don't, I don't know how much you've studied this a lot more from the, the, the st- statistical and, and uh, the, the scientific perspective. But I think that personally, the more people who know the better, because what, what can end up happening is I've known a people who they they make that first step that we talked about, that transparency, that confession. And in my opinion, that's by far the hardest step. But once people make that step, it can sometimes be a matter of that's as far as it goes. And people just continue to just kind of continue to, to confess without really trying to overcome it because they get a sense of relief from confessing. Well, at least I told my wife and I've known of, of men like this who uh, even their wives have kind of become desensitized. I talked about this last time where it's like, well, this is just kind of my husband's struggle and I'm just going to accept this. And, you know, every, every month or so he tells me he's looked up pornography and, you know, it's getting better and I'm glad he's not, uh, you know, that he's not doing it all the time, but he's, it's almost still just there, there's not a lot of growth. It's still just this is the way it's going to be, but at least now he's telling me And while I think that's a lot while I think that's a lot better than uh, th- than not bringing it up at all, there is a sense of where that can in and of itself, minimize what what's going on because it's like well at least I'm confessing it All, but now the only difference is you've gone to asking God to forgive you a hundred times and not changing to now asking your spouse or your friends to forgive you a million times without changing and 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 it's, it's just kind of playing over again and so this accountability this for lack of better words kind of step two uh, the way that' we're, we're talking about it here. You had asked me earlier, you know, what were what were some of my vulnerabilities? And I'll I'll tell you exactly what I did to overcome it, because having a conversation with Bethany, that that wasn't where things ended. It was very difficult up front and I had to make some drastic changes. So one of the things I did is I got rid of my smartphone, completely got rid of it. And instead, what I ended up using was just a flip phone. And I, I used that for man at least a couple of years and i do still i now have a smartphone and that's that's no longer a problem area for me but for the first year or two i went without a smartphone because that was my problem area having that smartphone and even bethany said you know if i went in the bathroom maybe if, you know we were in a restaurant or something i went in the bathroom and i was in there a little bit longer she was thinking okay well what's he doing in there and and is he is 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 he looking up pornography and uh, you know, that were that were some of her thoughts. And she would just ask me, hey, you weren't looking at pornography, were you? And she did not do it in a condemning way. It was just just want to make sure. And up front is where it's really important, because you do have to identify and be honest with yourself, as, as you pointed out. Your trouble areas and each person's going to have different different areas that are more troubling and are more difficult than others for for some, as you point out, maybe going to the beach and and, and being around women with bik- bikinis. Other people, that may not be their struggle. Their, their struggle may be like myself, where you know, it was that smartphone and having access to, to being able to look up anything at any time had to be completely cut off. And when people are at the point saying, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes. yes you Let me can. tell you something. You, you, ha- you, you have to, you have to, because I think that's what Jesus is talking about. Cut off your right hand, cut off your arm, uh, cut off your leg, whatever, cut off your foot, whatever it means. I don't think Jesus is being literal saying, cut these things off. But I do think what he's saying is whatever extent you have to take, you have to be have enough self-awareness to know This is something that I have to, at least for the time being, if perhaps forever, I need to to change in my life. And some things may be temporary. Um, I have not struggled, honest to goodness, with pornography in years. The first couple of years was difficult um, to not give in. But after a period of time, I was able to start using a phone, a smartphone again. I was able to, you know, I did that with with checks and balances. And now I have zero struggle with that at all. So there, there may be things I don't want somebody to hear what I'm saying and think, "Oh no, Kevin said I can never have a smartphone the rest of my life." That's just impossible. Um, th- that's not necessarily what I'm saying. What I am saying though is, up front, you have to be vulnerable with with going through and examining those trouble spots and being able to to do something about it.
1: Well, that's exactly right. I I want to touch on something that you said because I think sometimes people mix up. <clears throat> They mix up accountability and transparency. They're related and they're similar, but they're very different. And you you mentioned the uh, example of a man telling his wife, you know, confessing that he looked up porn. <clears throat> I have issue with guys who do that and who are not being accountable and not making progress in their life because what they're doing is abusing their wife. Uh, and I'm not trying yeah. to guilt anybody here, but when you when you just constantly confess to your wife and that makes you feel better, but you don't put any steps in place. You don't put any process in place to actually change your behavior. You are using your wife and abusing her emotions to feel better about your bad behavior. And, and again, I'm not trying to Mm, guilt trip anybody here, but that's not, uh, that's not recovery. That's not, um, that's not being changed into the image of Jesus. That's just soothing your emotions. And I've known guys who do that. Um, I don't think they do so aware of it, but that's exactly what they are doing. See, the difference between accountability and transparency is this. Transparency is the act of letting others know about your activity. Accountability is giving someone else the right to hold you accountable for your activity and behavior. And those two things are very important. You can't have accountability without being transparent, but you can be transparent and never give someone the right to hold you accountable. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some things that accountability is not. Accountability is not punishment. Accountability is not something that someone forces upon you. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of guys really don't understand. A lot of people don't understand. Um, Sometimes spouses don't understand. Accountability is something that you, it's a gift you give someone else to hold you accountable. Like For instance, Kevin is my accountability partner. Um, He's someone that I have to talk to fairly regularly. He's someone who, I have uh, accountability software on my phone and on my laptop and he gets the reports for it. And so if something shows up on my report that shows that I've done something I shouldn't, Kevin, I have given him the, the right to ask me about that and hold me accountable and speak truth to me because I know as an addict, I am prone to lie to myself. That's not something that he has forced upon me. It is something I've given to him. Um, And it's not guilting, it's not shaming, and it's not condemning. And and that can be something that's really tricky to navigate because we typically, especially in more strict um, homes and and people who have been brought up with a more strict view of right and wrong, we sometimes have a hard time distinguishing between holding someone accountable and judging and shaming and condemning. Uh, This has been said, I know, in the previous podcast, telling someone The pornography is wrong and telling them that they're going to go to hell for looking at pornography is not going to help them. It does not do one positive thing for them. It's not going to change them. It's not going to bring about a change of heart. Um, I can remember uh, I was 19 or 20, the first and only time I ever heard a sermon on pornography uh, that I myself didn't deliver. And uh, I want to give the guy credit for tackling the subject, but he did a terrible job. Uh, again this was this would have been in the early 2000s <laughs> it was before some of the information that we have now about it but he apparently was clueless on how to deal with someone struggling with pornography because the sermon was nothing but just complete and utter condemnation well if you're a believer nobody really has to convince you that pornography is is wrong you, you get that you understand you shouldn't do it so so condemnation doesn't help so Accountability is not about condemning or guilting or shaming. It's about bringing reality and truth into someone's life who struggles to stay in reality on this issue. It's about bringing them to a place in which you can give them guidance, you can give them help, you can give them hope. Um, accountability is not something that's forced. It's not punishment. It's again, it's more of a guiding um, that we try to do for each other. Accountability is is uh, the right to. Cl- that you give someone to call you to reality with love about your actions. It might be things like this. It might be, Hey, you know, someone confesses to you, your, your friend confesses to you that, um, you looked up porn. The proper response would be something like this. What was going on in your life or in your mind when you were being tempted when you looked up porn now to some people, they're going to say, well, that's a softball question. You're not really dealing with the issue. The reality is you're dealing with the real issue. What, what things triggered this person who knows that porn is wrong who is wanting to overcome that what what things triggered them to go and have that desire to to fail in their attempt to overcome porn and go look it up that's the root of the problem and as as someone who is an accountability partner or someone who needs accountability that's what you need to hear you need someone to help you work through reality to the root of the issue because if you might find that uh, I have a good friend he will tell you that his trigger is loneliness or his trigger is boredom and it might be as through a simple conversation like that that your accountability partner can help you figure out this is an emotion that triggers me and that knowledge can help you realize I need to stay out of situations where I'm going to get bored or I'm going to get lonely or if I start to feel bored or lonely I need to do something about that before it leads to me acting out and looking up porn it might be something uh, Maybe you are someone who struggles with porn and you're being transparent, but you're making excuses. We're prone to do that. We want to justify it. We, we want to minimize our behavior. So your accountability partner is going to say something like this. You know, I hear what you're saying, but minimizing this behavior is not going to help you overcome it. There are times you need to hear that truth. It's going to hurt a little bit, but you need to hear it. And that's, that's part of the accountability process. Um, Maybe they can give you some ideas, maybe something like, maybe I could help you try and fill in the blank, whatever it is, the next time you're in that situation or you feel tempted. Your accountability partner might be someone who says, hey, the next time you feel tempted to look up porn, call me. And through a five-minute conversation, that temptation is going to be quickly gone. Um, that's what accountability looks like. It's someone literally walking alongside you through this, through this struggle, through this sin that you have stayed in the dark and walked by yourself. Up until this point, you brought someone else into it.
2: I want to interject a couple things here, because if someone has come to you to confess this, whatever you do, please do not condemn them. Because the fact that they're coming to you and being open and vulnerable is such a honest and difficult thing to do. And I know how I I personally know of others. I thank God I have not had to experience this myself, but unfortunately I know other people have, or they will go to someone and they will open up and they will be vulnerable. And that person will spit it right back in their face. How dare you? I can't believe you do. You're a horrible person. When, When you do something like that, you are going to hurt the progress of that individual and perhaps send a message to that person that, confessing is 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 not worth it and there are people who i've spoken to who have because of the way that people responded when they did confess they have told me i wish i would have not confessed i completely disagree with that assessment because at the end of the day whether someone does respond in the way you want them to, it's still your responsibility to make sure that you're not pointing fingers and say, well, the reason I'm not overcoming my porn addiction is because people treated me bad when I tried to confess. I still don't think that you can use that as an excuse. But speaking to the person who who would spew condemnation back to that person, please understand what that person is doing is they're trying to overcome. That is a huge, huge step. And, and this is why I'm a big believer in uh, making sure that when you have the opportunity to, to, to go ahead and jump on top of this thing so that you're just not caught. Because if you're just caught, um, it's going to be like, like I was with Bethany when she asked me, well, you look?" I was kind of caught. I didn't come to her and say, hey, this is something I'm still struggling with. It took her a while to, to realize she could trust me. And when you're the one who who comes with no other reason than you are realizing that this is something you want to overcome and you're vulnerable enough to tell somebody, hey, I, I, I've, I've been doing this, I need help, please help me, I need accountability, and let's figure out a plan. That is just a wonderful thing. You should hug that person, <laughs> you should do everything you can to work with them. And Brandon, you were asked. you were talking about some questions like, well, hey, I hear what you're saying, but minimizing this behavior will not help you overcome it. I even think asking questions uh, with that type of language is good instead of making statements because I know that when I've talked to people before, and even when people have talked to me throughout different times, just saying, well, do you really think that this is something you're overcoming or do you really think that that's going to help? Do you, do do you really think that's going to help? And if they go, well, yeah, I think it's going to help. Well, how do why do you think this is going to be different than the last time to, to be able to get people to kind of just walk through it? Because at this point, if someone's already, uh, uh, wanting you to hold them accountable, there they may there may be some pushback, but there's still honesty there. And so if you can just continue to ask some questions to get them to think, because as humans, we like to dismiss and minimize and justify. Even if we're trying to be biased, we're never going to be 100% biased. So just having those questions available that Brandon is mentioning to, to be able to get people to think. Uh, one of the questions I asked a guy one time, he said, well, he said, you know, I feel like I'm really doing better with this. And I said, well, well, what makes you think that? And by the way, I did not think he was doing better because he told me his patterns had not changed. So (laughs) I knew he wasn't doing better. He had just told me, but then with his words, he said, but I think I'm doing better. I said, well, let me ask you, why do you think you're doing better? He said, well, I just kind of feel a little bit about, better about it. I said, right, but you're still doing the same thing with the same frequency. I said, so can you kind of just walk me through why you think you're doing better? And he just for a moment paused and said, well, maybe I'm not doing better. So it's just giving people the opportunity to think uh, think through these things. But I, th- I think these questions are great, and I hope people are listening to what you're saying.
1: I would like to add to what you're saying. I agree wholeheartedly about being transparent and with, uh, with your spouse if you're married. Um, but let me add this. Um, accountability is, can sometimes be very detailed and, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with when I have these feelings and these emotions. If your spouse is okay with having that discussion with you, then by all means, if they want to be your accountability partner, do it. Uh, but in some situations, your, your spouse doesn't want to have those conversations with you. They don't want to hear about your, the struggles that you have (laughs) in your mind. You need to be transparent with them. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily the best choice for an accountability partner. Um, You might think about it this way. If you're a guy, um, would you really want to hear about your wife's fantasies about other guys? Or is that going to be kind of hard on your marriage? Well, using your wife as your accountability partner and her having to listen to you and your thoughts and the struggles that you have in your mind might not be healthy for your marriage. Again, be transparent, be honest. You have to do that to build your relationship. But you might check with your wife first and see if she really wants to be your accountability partner. It might be a better choice to find a guy somewhere that you have a good relationship with. Um, let's talk very quickly about methods of accountability. Um, one thing that's great is just to have a regular check-in time. Um, you know, maybe, especially if you're early in the process of overcoming porn, maybe have a daily or, you know, two times a week check-in with a friend, just a quick phone call or meet with them and say, you know, so they can ask you, Hey, how you doing? You can tell them about your struggles. You can tell them about your successes. Those, those are great, but sometimes we need some accountability right in the moment. Um, and frankly, in the 21st century, that means on our electronic devices, we, there is all sorts of software out there that can help you with this. Um, my personal favorite is covenant eyes. That's what I use. Um, this is not a commercial for them. There is a lot of other, uh, software out there. There's even some that's, that's free. Uh, They all do different things. You kind of need to know what your own struggle is, know where your struggle is. Some accountability software is better for uh, a personal computer. Some is better for a uh, a smartphone. Uh, Some is better at uh, like blocking and others is simply just, um, just a history. uh, So you can be held accountable for what you look up. Um, Do some research on that. And I would highly, highly recommend If if your struggle with porn is through electronics, which is 95% of it today, go get some accountability software today. Find someone who um, can be your accountability partner. The reports will be sent to them, and this will really help you a lot because you know you're going to be held accountable for what you do. And then you're going to have someone to help you walk through those instances on, well, what happened? Where did I go wrong? Now, let me say this. Accountability software is not foolproof. There's a lot more to overcoming pornography than just having accountability software. But it is a great tool, especially when you're first getting started, to help you break that addictive cycle, um, to realize that whatever you do online is going to be viewed by someone else. Having that person looking over your shoulder can be a great tool to help you break that addictive cycle. Um, So I'd encourage you to look up some different things. They're very affordable. Like I said, some of them are are almost uh, free as well. So check those out. Um, you can just Google accountability software, um, uh, check out covenant eyes. It's a great one as well. Uh, again, choose someone you trust, who, you know, cares about you and will speak truth to you. I want to uh, just kind of transition from here into really the last main point for, uh, how to overcome porn. And that is the idea of support. Kevin, who have you had in your life to help you that were, that you would categorize as support or what supports have you had to help you overcome pornography?
2: My wife definitely, Bethany's definitely, would be my my number one support uh, throughout the process. And as you pointed out, that that's not always going to be the case um, uh, with with spouses. Sometimes it's going to be better that you just after they know that that's your struggle, just let them know you're going, you're you're getting help. And most, I would say, probably a lot of women are fine with that. Uh, they, as you point out, they'd probably rather not know <laughs> all the all the specifics as long as they know that you're getting better. Um, and that, that you're trying, this is something that you are overcoming. Um, but in my case, Bethany has been a big support, uh, but also just, uh, you know, you have, uh, a lot of my, my friends, the group that, that you started a while back, uh, has, has been something that is just a continuation of encouragement or we're able to encourage one another and hear, hear different people's stories. It gives people a, a safe place to come to. Uh, everything is confidential, and if you want to kind of go over it, what what you started and what that looks like, because I'm sure there's going to be people who are wondering, well, what does a support group look like? Well, I don't have a support group, or I can't afford a support group. Explain exactly how easy a support group could be to start. Support groups are
1: great. In fact, uh, I remember when I was going uh, in counseling at the beginning of of uh, trying to deal with my porn addiction. Uh, my counselor kind of laid out some things. He's like, these are these are essential things that you're going to have to do in order to uh, in, in order to overcome this addiction. And one of them was, was going to counseling regular. And that, but he said the one thing that we really can't always put our finger on exactly why it works, but we know it does work and it's essential. He says you need to get a support group. And at the time, uh, there are a lot of different groups. There's uh, the one that I went to is called SAA. It's Sex Addicts Anonymous. Uh, they're open to people with porn addictions or other types of sexual addictions, and what they simply are is it's a place, a safe place for people with sexual addictions to get together, to talk about their struggles and their successes, and to draw strength from that from that community. Uh, honestly, it's what the church should be. Uh, the church, some people have heard the church described as a hospital for sinners. That's exactly what a support group is designed to be. It's designed to be a group for people who are broken, who can openly talk about their brokenness and how they're trying to overcome it. Um, I loved my group when I uh, first went through counseling, the SAA group. It ended up kind of dissolving and going away due to lack of participation. But there was one thing that kind of bothered me about it. And again, I I don't want to say anything negative about SAA and the other groups like them, but as a as a Christian, it bothered me a little bit because part of that whole process is recognizing God working in your life and bringing about this freedom from porn. Well, SAA is is open to, to all religions. It's completely inclusive. Um, well, as a believer, I, I believe my strength to overcome comes from Jesus, and so we started a group, uh, I guess it's been about a year and a half, two years ago now and it's specifically Christian, but it, uh, it's basically a place where Christians can get together who struggle with sexual sin. They can be open about that, and they can, they can share about their successes. They can share and confess their failures. Um, if you're struggling within a particular area, you can ask for guidance from the other members of the group. We pray together. We pray for strength from the Holy Spirit to uh, help us to be stronger, and personally, I have found it to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, help, and staying sober. And when I have had a relapse, it has been because I one of the, one of the things that I always aligned with was when I was no longer going to a support group. Um, it, it, uh, it really kind of helps you not become isolated. Isolation is the devil's tool. Um, he wants to get you isolated, um, especially with your sexual sin, so that he can feed you guilt and shame and hopelessness, that he can keep you in denial. Uh, and these keep people in addictive cycles, and they keep people trapped. A support group helps you stay in reality. It's a place of hope. It's a place where God is drawn into your problem. It's a place where you rely and call upon Jesus to help you with your struggle. And it's a place where there's no condemnation because every person there knows how broken they are. And that's been the problem with some of our churches is that we haven't been open and honest about how broken we all are. But in a support group like that, you find that a place where people are honest about their brokenness.
2: in many churches I, I truly believe if 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 more people would be vulnerable about this i think that a, a new culture could be created within many congregations where if people would go to their leaders and say hey you know, I'm struggling with porn. Um, Can can I start a support group for other people who may be struggling? And just to go ahead and start that conversation, I I don't, I can't speak for any one congregation. So some church leaders may shoot that down quicker than anything, but I I believe just the honesty among people when someone comes and says, I have a problem, then to, to figure out how do we help build up support groups? Because not everybody may have the same problem, but I don't know of any problem that is probably more prevalent than, than pornography right now in uh, among Christianity. I, I really don't. I, I don't know if, if I could probably go to every single congregation and there would be the, that those same stats would ring true with with people who are struggling with this and we act like it doesn't exist. So just starting to have these support groups Whether they're at your own congregation or whether you just start them independently and it starts with two or three people, that's a good beginning. That's a great start. And do you have any kind, Brandon, of books that you would recommend? Because clearly in an hour's time, we can't cover all possible solutions and and everything in detail. So what are some books perhaps that you would recommend for people who are struggling with this and they they truly want to overcome?
1: Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of good resources out there. If you want to um, if you want to examine it or kind of help dealing with your your sh- porn struggles from a more of a um, psychological background, like more from a counselor, um, the two books that are really really good um, one they kind of go together. One of them is Shadows of the Cross, and the other is called Facing the Shadow. Um, they're authored or co-authored by a guy named Patrick Carnes. Um, he's actually kind of the He's kind of the inventor of uh, sexual addiction therapy. Um, he actually was a sex addict himself from back, I want to say, four or five decades ago. And they really was nothing at that point in time. And so he's he's really developed a lot of this. Um, and those books have been extremely helpful to me. They, they help you kind of see yourself for what you are, but also not to guilt you. They help you to um, embrace God's grace and how that grace doesn't tell you it's okay to to be who you are, but that uses that grace to motivate you to change into the image of Jesus. So those two books are really great resources. Um, there's some other ones out there. I'm drawing a blank at the moment. I meant to put a list together before we got here and, and I didn't do that. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of other good resources out there. Those would be the two books that I would recommend. Um, again, Facing the Shadow and Shadows of the Cross.
2: Awesome. And Lee has not really been with us much in this podcast, even though he's here in spirit, simply because uh, his voice is not all there. Am I right, Lee? You've not been feeling great. So he's still stuck around for this podcast.
0: Yes, I am still here. You may have heard me laugh a time or two. Every year, whenever the weather changes, I get some sinus drainage and develop a cough and get some hoarseness going. I've had my microphone muted whenever I've had to cough. I don't have the Rona that much. I can promise you. This is, I deal with this every year. I know intimately well what this is, but I've tried to refrain from talking just for that reason, just because I can feel my voice trying to give out just from this little bit of conversation. And your voice
2: is still sounds a whole lot better than, uh, than mine does or Brandon. And that's, no that's the thing, man. I have people, I have people tell me all the time, Lee, man, Lee's got such a good voice. And I'm just sitting here going, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I wonder if we could have some sort of voice changer for me. So I could, in fact, you know what they need? They need to make a voice changer where you can sound like
0: Lee's voice. And I think it would take off. We need to talk about this off air. We'll make hundreds, Jerry. We'll make hundreds. <laughs> but I, I just want to say that even though I haven't been as involved with this episode as I was with the last one, as far as the conversation goes, I've I've really enjoyed it. It's been really eye opening, and talking about the solutions that that you guys have have posited and that I'm, I'm going to say that you guys have discussed because I really didn't take a big part in the discussion. It has it's it's been really encouraging, and it's really it's common sense if you think about it. And we really do need to get past the stigma that's associated with pornography and the addiction that, that stems from it and all of the problems that it can, that it can cause. We need to get away from being afraid to talk about that. We need to be there to support each other. Just like you said, Brandon, that, you know, the church should be a hospital for sinners. It doesn't matter what the sin is as Our brothers and sisters in Christ, as being brethren, we need to be able to support one another. We need to be able to help one another. And that means we don't judge one another. We're not harsh towards one another. We don't condemn one another. We're there to build one another up and to help one another overcome these issues. I I think this was a great discussion. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh, I would would add just just one thing. Go ahead, KP. There's that delay again. That,
2: yeah, well, I was going to say, because I'll, I'll let Brandon kind of conclude since he's he's done a lot more study on this and, and kind of give his final thoughts. But one thing I would just like to throw out there for people is we are more than willing to listen to you. And if this is something that you're struggling with, ultimately, you would probably need to find somebody you already have a relationship with to talk to about this. But if you just need a little more advice, if you have a specific, Situation. Sometimes just talking to somebody else to get a little affirmation uh, to to make sure that hey, I want to do this. Are you sure this is going to be okay? Are you sure I need to do this? And and my my first response is no. I'm never sure everything's going to be okay. I I have no idea how people are going to respond when when you come out with this. I don't know your position. I don't know uh, you know where you're at, your situation, and 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 what's exactly going to happen. But I I can promise you, no matter what happens. It's it's essential if you really want to overcome this. And if you do need to talk to 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 me, to Lee, to Brandon, you can you can email us as always to just kind of throw out what what you're thinking, maybe what some of your struggles are, and we can do our best to point you in the right direction. If you do need that encouragement, we want you to know we're here, we're confidential, and we're here to help you any way we can. You're not going to receive condemnation for us. We're going to try to support you any way we can.
1: Yeah, great words, Kevin. Um, I would just add, we kind of concluded our discussion on the support groups thing. Um, for anybody out there who needs that, that's sometimes a great place to start. It's a place where you can build courage because you see other people be open and honest. Um, check out like uh, saa.com. You can get on their website um, and you can search for different groups in your area and where they meet. Uh, most major, you know, decent-sized cities are going to have one or more groups that meet every week. Um, check that out. Like I said, there are other groups besides SAA. Um, they escape me at the moment. Check those out. But worst case scenario, let's say that uh, you're in the process of overcoming pornography. Start your own. Um, it's not hard. Uh, if you ever uh, just have lunch or dinner with some of your friends, that's a group, man. Just uh, schedule a time once a week, a couple times a month we're all going to get together and, you know, talk about how we're doing and what our struggles are and be open and honest about it. You can start a group anytime. Uh, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to be anything special to do that.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys so much for another wonderful conversation. I, I really hope that this episode in conjunction with the previous episode will be helpful to our listeners, especially to those who struggle with this. And just like Evan said, you're not alone. I mean, we all have our struggles, and for some and for so, so many people, pornography is a real struggle. And we stand ready to help if we can. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us on this conversation. We hope to have you back on, brother. It's good to visit with you again. Um, As always, we want to thank our audience. We thank all of you for listening. We thank you for your patronage. Please continue to listen, continue to share our podcast with others. Let us know what you would like to hear about. Um, So much of what we have covered on this podcast in episodes past has been based on what y'all have told us you would like to hear us discuss. So reach out to us. Let us know what questions you have, what you'd like to hear. And we all hope to uh, be with you again very soon. Give us that five-star review on iTunes. We'll talk to you soon.